Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 280. Fire. 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 Today's most inspiring entrepreneurs delivered straight to you seven days a week. This is Entrepreneur on Fire. Here is your host who is always prepared to ignite, John Lee Dumas. Entrepreneur on Fire. Fire. All in one. We've heard it many times, Fire Nation, but this time it's true. Squarespace offers an all-in-one platform so you can create a beautiful website just like that. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code FIRE. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Bob Caspi. Bob, are you prepared to ignite... Absolutely. Yes. Bob founded and served as CEO and chair of three successive startups for 30 years in medical imaging, newspaper imaging, digital cameras, and consumer electronics. Bob then retired and taught entrepreneurship at Babson MBA for seven years. We're going to chat about all this in his new startup, IEC, in today's interview. I've given Fire Nation just a little overview, Bob, but take a minute. Tell us about you personally. We want to get to know you. And then give us an overview of your current business. Thank you for having me. I enjoy yeah. the, the opportunity to be on your show. Uh, I are an engineer to start. Uh, <laughs> went to New York University, studied electrical engineering. Uh, my best teacher was Ben Franklin back then. It was so many years ago. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I discovered very soon in my career and my boss discovered at the same time that I just don't work well for other people. And so I embarked upon a life of entrepreneurship partially because I really can't work in somebody else's company. That's yeah. part of who I am. And uh, I, I, uh, in my teaching, I've told my students that, uh, that entrepreneurship is about the trip. It's not about the destination. You can't focus on whether you make a lot of money or you don't make a lot of money. You can't beat yourself up if you go out of business. Uh, but the key is to enjoy the ride, and entrepreneurship is a ride. And I have enjoyed it thus far, and one of the reasons that I stopped teaching and I'm back doing it is because I missed it. I missed building stuff and, uh, and discovering and dealing with people, and that's entrepreneurship for me. Well, wonderful. Give us just a quick 30-second synopsis of what you're doing right now. We're going to dive way more into it later, but I want Fire Nation to get a little taste of what you're all about. One of the things that I have discovered in my teaching is that uh, there are plenty of super entrepreneurs and engineers and scientists all over the world. Yeah. And uh, engineering education, science education has really come a long way. Uh, many of the kids from countries like Brazil and, uh, and Russia are actually educated in the United States, and many of the teachers from here have gone over there. So I see a great uniformity now in the quality of technologists and the quality of their innovations, regardless of where I seem to travel in the world. Uh, but what I also observe is marketing and sales skills have not kept pace with the technical skills. And so my mission at the IEC, at the International Entrepreneurship Center, has been to help 
these entrepreneurs launch their businesses in Western markets. So typically, we'll, we'll go to a place like Brazil. We'll find uh, three or four really interesting and successful com- companies in Brazil technology-based frequently, sometimes not. And if we feel their business models are transportable or if we see intellectual property that we think is valuable, we'll offer an opportunity for those companies to come to the U.S. market, use that as a launching point for uh, Asian and European markets, and teach them the concepts of Western value-based marketing and sales. There's a saying in Brazil, it's about who you know and not what you know. Mm -hmm. And here in the U.S., it's just the opposite. It's what you know and not who you know. So that's what we do. More now than ever, too. I mean, I can't tell you how often I just see at conferences 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old men and women lining up to talk to a 23, 24-year-old just because (laughs) he has the knowledge that they need if they want to be successful in their chosen field at this moment. And 50, 60 years ago, it was always the opposite. You needed to be in those industries and gain that experience before that exchange of value could happen. Well, you know what the, you know what the expression cannon fodder is? Oh, I'm an army guy. Eight years, yeah, so, so I know. So if you think about the youth of the world, the historical value that young people served in the world historically was uh, to join the military and go fight the battles of, and protect the assets of the old people. Yeah. Or you could be on American Idol and sing really well. <laughs> but, it, but you represented relatively low value in society until you got an education, until you uh, learned how to do a trade. And there has been a complete inversion of that now that the young people who are facile in technology have tremendous power And the older people who have basically all the assets and are running the businesses are desperately afraid, as they should be, of the obsolescence of their business models because of the impact of technology on them. And and it's exactly what you said. They need the help. They need the help of entrepreneurs today. In fact, from my perspective, one of the things that I teach, which uh, my students tend to enjoy, is I try to make the analogy between the extinction events of that drove dinosaurs off the planet huh. as the dominant species. And I, I suggest to the students that what caused the extinction event was, was a discontinuity in the environment. And the evolutionary processes that drove dominance for the dinosaurs became a liability as the, uh, as the environment changed. And what we have today is just the same thing. We have that the uh, the status quo is that businesses have evolved to uh, to become dinosaurs, to become large uh, lumbering beasts with low mobility. And the instability today is being driven by technology. And the new species that are going to become the dominant business species of the planet in the same way that mammals took over from the dinosaurs, the new species will be entrepreneurially driven small companies that maintain their adaptability and are unable to grow large and need, as people do, to form groups uh, for purposes of achieving dominance. Wow, Fire Nation, I hope you're listening. I hope you're taking notes because this is basically the equivalent of a three-credit course in an <laughs> MBA graduate program. So, And there Bob, will be a test. And so. there will be a test <laughs> in the end. So, Bob, let's transition now into our first real topic, which is the success quote because we love getting Entrepreneur on Fire listeners fired up with a nice success quote. So share one with us. 
Okay. Uh, what I have found has been incredibly important to me is you have to get your priorities straight. Um, I think the hardest part for small businesses is there's always too much to do in comparison to the resources available to do it. And as well, in your priority system has to be the question of your family, your friends, your life, uh, your health. All of these things have to fit together. And the challenge for the entrepreneur is to create a priority system that's rational for the goals that they want to achieve. If you destroy your marriage and build a business, uh, maybe that isn't uh, the outcome that you were hoping for. So to me, uh, it's critical. That's it. Love that for so many reasons. Get your priorities straight. I always talk to Fire Nation about my favorite word, which is focus. Follow one course until success. You need to know what your priorities are, focus on them, and not be distracted by all these bright, shiny objects that are around, whatever that may be, because if you're focused on what your priorities are, all of that will come. Yeah, I just spoke to two entrepreneurs today from the Nashville area, and these guys, these kids are the smartest, the two smartest kids in terms of image processing products. And we discussed what's the most important thing for them to do, and it is get your first customer and make that customer happy. And so I said, what are you going to do this afternoon? Well, we're going to work on the website. What does that have to do with get your first customer and make your first customer happy? It's all about selecting your priorities. Love that. That minimally viable product. Just get it out there so you can get your first customer, start getting feedback on a live customer that's opened their wallet up and has said, yes, I want to be in on this. So Bob, let's move forward because Entrepreneur on Fire is about your journey as an entrepreneur. You're our spotlighted guest. So we really want to bring the spotlight to you right now because you've had an amazing journey. You've had a lot of different successes. You've had some failures and challenges, I have no doubt. And that's what we want to talk about right now is one of those failures, one of those challenges. And how do you overcome that? The first thing to understand about me is I have quite literally been fired from every job I ever had. Literally. Literally. Yes. No exceptions. I love that. And the reason for that is I'm not a quitter. Yep. I hate to walk away, but my natural instincts are that if I'm bored and if I don't like it, I become as irritating as possible. (laughs) 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 And so, for example, when I sold my second company to a large Israeli company and I took the job of being a division president for three years, uh, it was written in the stars that eventually my resignation letter and my firing letter were going to cross in the fax land uh, in space on the 365th day of the third year that I met my requirements. I was in law school and I was in contracts. There's a law about that, two passing contracts in the night. So <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. So, and, I, and I've never, you know, it hurts sometimes. You, the rejection always hurts Course. when it happens. But Uh, I think part of uh, an entrepreneur's life is not only to accept failure as part of the process, but to not dwell on it. It has, you have to move away from it quickly. You can't beat yourself up over it. You have to take it as a learning experience and and basically move on with your life. And that's what I've learned. So Bob, let's continue to move forward because just like you had that 
quote-unquote failure, which some people say, hey, you sold a business. You were working in that business during that handover for three years. I mean, yes, you were quote-unquote fired slash resigned after those three years. It still sounds pretty sweet to me. I've heard a lot worse in the failure realm. But let's move over to the aha moment, the other end of the spectrum, when you actually had a light bulb that went off and you said, (laughs) wow, this resonates with me, Bob Caspi. What was that moment, Bob, and how did you turn that into success? Actually, it occurred after I started teaching. You know, there are people that say, and I agree with them, that you don't really understand a subject until you try to explain it to somebody else. Mm. And one of the things that became apparent to me in my own background in, in the myriad of companies that I had tried to start was that consumer products are the great wasteland of uh, entrepreneurs. Can you expound on that a little bit? It is so hard to compete with Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, Microsoft. Small companies are uh, – one, one of the words that I try to amplify on in my teaching is the difference between the word possible and probable. And my goal is to help entrepreneurs understand more probable paths to success as opposed to simply possible paths to success. And what happens in the study of businesses is that we have what we call survivor's bias, survivor bias, where we tend to look at only the companies that succeeded and we don't look at the ones that fail. So we have no basis on which to understand. So what were the critical variables? Why did this company fail when that company succeeded? And The net result is that because we're all consumers, we look at a lot of consumer businesses like Facebook and and we say, my God, that wasn't that hard. I could do that. I could basically. (laughs) And the reality was is like, what happened to my space? What happened to your space? What happened to his space and her space? There were hundreds of social. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Hundreds of social media, network, whatever, blah, 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 businesses. And yet most of them failed. The numbers in the venture industry are 29 out of every 30 startups fail. And I think that for the, for the one that remains, only one of three, roughly, the founders actually make it to the liquidity event. So really one out of 100. Right. And so the question for me has always been, how do you raise your probability of success? And one of the aha moments for me was that Consumer products, while they seem appealing because we're all consumers, we all believe we know and understand and love the consumer space, while it, it appears appealing, it's actually a minefield. And it's a minefield because huge companies who have a vested interest in their consumer positions have the ability to spend inordinate amounts of money in marketing and sales and, quite frankly, can lie and say their product's better than yours and can win that battle. Nine out of ten dentists recommend it, obviously. Right. (laughs) Right. And so the challenge is how do you have the discipline to pick high-probability businesses if what you want to do is is essentially a low probability business and the and the aha moment to me was to understand that the this is a choice that the entrepreneur can make it isn't about sitting in your kitchen and designing the next great you know uh, pocket peeling uh you know <laughs> potato device it's about analyzing and understanding the environment around you and seeing where there are opportunities that are B2B as opposed to B2C. On that note, Bob, where do you feel like the opportunities are if they're not in consumer? When I started teaching, 
typically the Babson way was that all the students were working on business models. And so you'd have a class. My class was ostensibly a marketing class. It eventually evolved into a philosophy of small business class, but it was a marketing class. And you'd say to the students, you'd say, now, I know you're all working on businesses. Divide into teams of three or four. Pick which business you want to work on for the semester. And then we'll have, if we have 30 students, we'll have 10 businesses that we are working on the marketing and uh, plans for for the semester. And each year, I would go through this process, and I would look at the businesses, and I would go, that's going to fail, that's going to fail, that's going to fail. These are ridiculous business models. In the undergraduate school, 90% of the business models were new alcoholic beverages, and 10% <laughs> were new ways to get sober more quickly. And in the graduate school, it was better, but not much better. And so by the third or fourth year, I decided this doesn't work. Uh, and so I created a new objective process for evaluating whether business idea A is better than business idea B. And at the same time, created a process to go out into your own network and identify businesses that, again, are in your own network. They're your parents' business, your uncle's business, your brother's business. Because my premise was that every business, I don't care what the business model, is if it's not a high-tech company, that business is in stress and is likely to be highly disrupted by technology. And you, as a young person with greater ability in technology, are likely to be able to create innovative concepts, even if you can't create the software and hardware yourself. And your goal as an entrepreneur is to make a relationship, a business relationship between that customer, that business that needs innovation, and some engineers and scientists that you'll find anywhere in the world, maybe Craigslist, maybe India, maybe in the engineering school next door to you. Mm -hmm. That's your job. It isn't to invent a product. It isn't to create a consumer product it is to solve the problem of an existing business in keeping pace with technology and i've had so many students do it successfully by just going through that process and i would say to them at the end of the semester i would say you know do you did you ever think you'd be in that business and they go absolutely not i didn't even know it existed right but they applied their entrepreneurial skills to it love that so Bob, I'm going to throw a challenge. I'm going to throw the gauntlet down. Here's a challenge for you because you have so many great things to say, but boil it down for Fire Nation into one sentence, 30 words or less, a clear lesson that you learned from that experience. To begin with, it's all about the customer. And the less your ego is involved in the business, the better off you are. Ooh. In fact, in fact, I've said to students, the less you know the more likely you can find a successful business opportunity. Wow, that is a great way to look at things. Definitely a mind shift. Definitely something, Fire Nation, I encourage you to go on a long walk. And for one time, leave the iPod behind. Don't listen to Entrepreneur on Fire on double speed. Just think. Think about what Bob has said and think about a business that you may have never seen yourself in, but because of the things that he's talking about now, there could be opportunities to bounce. And Bob... I want to move into IEC right now. I'm fascinated with how you came up with the idea, what you're currently doing right now, and what's your vision for the future? 
one of the books that I really enjoyed reading and one that I uh, will recommend, in addition to the ones you probably will ask me about later, is called <laughs> The Drunkard's Walk, by, written by Leonard Mladnow. And, uh, and it's a book about statistics, probability and statistics, which doesn't seem like an interesting subject. But he makes it into a really interesting story about the birth of probability and statistics as it affected gamblers, as, as, as it affects one's own decisions in life. And one of the beliefs that I have about business is that uh, business and life are drunkard's walks, that random events tend to move you around. And the entrepreneur's job is to remain flexible and dive bullet, you know, uh, uh, duck under the bullets and seize the opportunities that occur. Uh, the IEC, when we started it a year ago, it was something completely different than it is now. We started it as an incubator. And our goal was simply to bring together uh, small company startups into space, co uh, working space. We rented 9,000 square feet and put some furniture into it and provided a comfortable co-working environment. And we started to bring together these small businesses. And it became clear that I was uh, and my partners were violating my own first rule of business, which is uh, follow the money. Uh, find rich customers, not poor ones. And my love of entrepreneurs and my love of startups blinded you, blinded me and drove me to bring together all these waifs of entrepreneurship. Waifs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one of the things that I discovered in the process is that many young entrepreneurs who haven't suffered enough uh, have misconceptions about the value of advice and mentorship and aren't really ready to accept it yet. And so we shifted our focus to more mature businesses and created a business model that started with businesses where the entrepreneurs were still essentially running the business, but it had to achieve maybe a million dollars in revenue annually to prove that these entrepreneurs were able to understand, react to, and adapt to the pains and suffering that we know are, are out there. So our business model radically transformed in the course of 12 months because we are open to the concept of you never know where you're going and you have to remain flexible and adaptable to your environment. And so this is where we wound up. And, and this particular business model, one which we call uh, IMAP, uh, International Market Acceleration Program, where we bring in these uh, companies, their IP uh, business models from outside the U.S., and it is turning out to be quite successful, is very young. We've only been doing this for three months, and we're – uh, we're floored with the number of companies that we find that don't understand how to do this, who do have interesting and valuable technology. And it ranges from uh, a little tiny device that's used to help take a feces sample. This sounds dramatic, doesn't it? A feces <laughs> sample in the home to software that does video encoding, yada, yada. And so all over the map, very interesting stuff. Wow, that is all over the map. And just, again, in about 60 seconds or less, what is your vision for the future? In my first company, we were a few years old, and I was interviewing a new v VP of marketing. And he said to me, uh, Bob, what's your 10-year plan? And, and I leaned back, and I thought for a second, and I said, look, 
I'll, I'll make you a deal. I'll tell you my 10-year plan under the condition that after I finish, you tell me your 10-year plan. Ooh. And if yours is better, we'll do yours. <laughs> so, <laughs> as it turned out, I scared the crap out of him and he refused to take the job. So uh, I would say right now at this very moment, I don't, I don't have my eyes up high enough on the horizon that I can see far enough ahead with this business to tell you where it's going. All I ask for is openness and honesty, Bob, and you've given Fire Nation that this entire interview, so thank you for that. And now let's just take one minute to thank our sponsor. All in one. We've heard it many times, Fire Nation, but this time it's true. Squarespace offers an all-in-one platform so you can create a beautiful website just like that. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code IDEA. And now we've reached my favorite part of the show, the lightning round. And this is where I get to ask you a series of questions and you come back at us, Fire Nation, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan, Bob? Uh, assuming I can achieve amazing <laughs> and mind-blowing, yes. <laughs> what was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Nothing. <laughs> Favorite my, answer. My father told me I was a jack of all trades and a master of none. It turned out to be a benefit. <laughs> that is a benefit. Right. What's the best advice, Bob, you've ever received? I remember this guy that invested in my first business. He said to me, Bob, he said, you can't be half pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was right. And, and you said it earlier. It's focus. It's about focus. Follow one course until right. success. Right. What's something that's working for you right now? There was another book that I read uh, called The Challenger Sale. And, uh, and it helped synthesize for me something that I had perceived but not so clearly understood. I do recommend it to the entrepreneurs out there. And it is that with the speed of innovation that's occurring today, to sell into a business requires that you truly step into, learn, and understand your customer's business model better than they understand it themselves, and then go back and teach them how you can help them improve their business model. And so the essence is this deep dive relationship with every customer, which, by the way, further amplifies the importance of picking rich customers <laughs> right? because you're going to spend a lot of time and money with them. Do you have an internet resource, Bob, like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners? Uh, yeah, but you're you're not going to believe it. It's NewYorkTimes.com. Boom! <laughs> that, that's a first. Your interview number two seventy six never had this resource. I will tell you, I am a religious reader of the New York Times every day. And I learn more from it in terms of technology, where businesses are going, uh, where the world is going. And it, it influences my own business decisions and influences my choices every day. Love that. Well, Fire Nation, you can find the links to this resource and everything that we mentioned in today's episode by going to entrepreneuronfire.com slash Bob Caspi. Bob, if you could recommend just one book what would it be? Well, I've already done two for I you. I know, right? but I want just one overall book. Oh, geez, that's so tough. You know, I would say read The Singularity is Near by uh, Kurzweil. 
he talks about well he talks about two things one a lot of people are offended by or may uh, consider uh, polarizing I like yes it. so he talks about how in the next 20 30 years machines and humans are going to merge into one life form and uh, and humans will achieve immortality in this way but and and regardless of whether you believe that or don't believe that to me the more interesting aspect of the book is is this quantification of the speed of uh, innovation and how it is accelerating exponentially and to understand that, for example, over the next 10 years are equivalent to the last 30 years of technological advancement. And and when I look at, for example, uh, what IBM is doing with Watson and what's happening in genetics from reading the New York Times, I... Uh, it is amazing to me how quickly the world is changing as we stand here. Now, tell me if you know who this quote comes from. First, they ignore you. Then they laugh at you. Then they fight you. Then you win. I think it was my mother who said it when I was six. <laughs> I don't know your mother, Bob. <laughs> well, she, she's not with us anymore. So <laughs> she can't defend herself. Okay. Gandhi. Ah, that makes sense too because that was the life that he led. First, they ignored him, then they laughed at him. Who's this barefooted, bald headed guy walking down the coast of India? Then they fought him because they saw that he was creating a movement, and then he won. And that's so true in so many different ways. When people said that the earth was round, when people said that the earth circled the sun, and I mean, all of these different things, that's the stages we go through. So, and the singularity is near. I mean, hey, if you want to be one of those people that first ignore it and then laugh at it and then fight it and then lose, then go ahead. One of the examples that I give uh, when I teach is that the time of innovation, for example, back – the telephone was invented in 1876, replacing technology, let's call it wireless, 1899, almost a quarter century. And quite literally, a business could have, let's say, been around in 1910, 1920 and not had to include communications technology like a telephone until the 1950s. 75 years after the invention, today imagine a new technology coming out and imagine how long does a business model have to adapt to include that technology within their business model? How long did Nike have to put Bluetooth devices in their shoes for purposes of talking to your iPhone to remain contemporary as a running shoe? And the impact of technology has always been there, but it, is, it used to be in orders of magnitude uh, might take a lifetime to include a single new technology in a business model. Today, it might take six months. And what is it happening next year and the year after that? It's changing the way we approach the inclusion of technology in business models. And that's what's so exciting to me. That's why, uh, that's why I believe that the IEC is such an important part of the business ecosystem today because we're saying to an entrepreneur, you can't do it all yourself anymore. You need to create liaisons, networks of others who will help you do the critical pieces of businesses. There just isn't enough time to build another large company. And in the same way that you still see some whales and you still see some elephants, so all of the large 
animals didn't uh, disappear. You'll still see some large companies, but you know most of the large companies are on the way down. And I venture to say that Google and uh, and they're all Facebook. They're going to disappear quickly and be replaced by things that that we haven't even imagined yet. It's an exciting world that we live in. There are definitely some whales out there. It kind of brought to my mind. Just yesterday, I was talking to my credit card company, and this person on the phone was like, yeah, you just need to fax us a void check. And I laughed. <laughs> and he's like, why are you laughing? I go, what's a fax machine? I go, can I just take a picture of a voided check with my phone and email it to you? He goes, yeah. And I go, oh, I just did it. It's in your inbox. He's like, oh. And I'm like, it's kind of better than a fax machine, which really right. you shouldn't even be talking about anymore. So that's right. really interesting stuff, Bob. Really enjoyed it. And this is the last question. It's okay. my favorite, but it's kind of tricky. So take your time, digest it, then come back at us with an answer. Yep. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? Trading the laptop for an iPad wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Done. You, all you have is an iPad and $500. Uh, well, first of all, you should know at my age, just the idea that you woke up tomorrow morning was good news. Right. Okay. So, you smile. <laughs> so let's start so first off, you smile. Right. So I, I think that, uh, what I truly believe is I would focus on cash flow. I'd focus on the question of starting to create some cash flow, probably through consulting. If, if the premise is I know everything that I know, then I have a lot of valuable information that I can use to help small businesses and even large businesses. And, and I believe that uh, when you at least break even or make money, by definition, you're running a business. And up until that point, you're running a charity. And much like uh, the venture capital industry, if you only have $500 of seed capital, uh, you are bleeding to death as long as you're spending it and you're destined to die if you run out. So you got to work on cash flow. And I'd probably start the same way I started three of my businesses. I start by consulting and start by generating cash flow, start by networking with the customers and finding opportunities and ways to build a business. That's what I do. Bob, I feel like I have earned my three credits of my Babson MBA <laughs> graduate school class. And being a New Englander, I know that Babson is a great institution. So that is of value. I'm actually a Providence College alumnus myself. So that's not where my fun. youngest daughter went. Oh, she's a friar. Oh, so, yes. so amazing. So, Bob. I've truly enjoyed chatting with you today. It's been inspiring. Fire Nation has taken away so much. Give us one parting piece of guidance. Share how we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. The best way to reach me is by email through uh, bob.caspe, B-O-B dot C-A-S-P-E at iecpartners.com is the best way to reach me. And for those that are interested in seeing my art, or uh, yeah. my family, come to my personal website sure. at caspigroup.com. I am uh, an artist that has dabbled in many different uh, media and um, enjoy it, sculpture, painting, drawing, and, uh, and also my blog, where I try to 
answer all the questions that the world is begging to know. <laughs> well, Fire Nation, you can find the links to everything that Bob has mentioned today, his email address, his blog at entrepreneuronfire.com slash Bob Caspi, or just go to eofire.com. Click on that podcast tab, the archives, he'll be right there. Bob, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise, your experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you, John. It's been a pleasure. Enjoyed it. Fire Nation, are you an aspiring or new entrepreneur who's looking for a community of like-minded individuals who can offer support, tools, resources, and advice as you start your entrepreneurial journey? Visit FireNationElite.com to find out more about our Elite Mastermind Group. Fill out an application, schedule a one-on-one 15-minute chat with me, and start your journey today. And now let's take a minute to thank our five-star reviews, Sid the Idea Guy, GP from STL, Spectrum Design, Kyle Shen, Nick Suberling, Dr. Sabrina, Scrappy Dr. Cherry, Charming Kelly, and Brett924. Thank you so much for supporting Entrepreneur on Fire, and I look forward to thanking everybody who does the same. Thank you for joining us at EntrepreneurOnFire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.